The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Amen. God is good. All the time, God is good. Amen. Good, good morning, Agape Word Fellowship. And good morning to those of you that are joining, with, joining in with us to worship the Lord, to be blessed in the word of the Lord. Thank you for being part of this worship service. I first want to thank God for the grace he's given us. The mighty grace he's given us to endure this election season. And uh, this has been just a difficult election season, very stressful, filled with anxiety. But you know, in the end, God is in control. And I thank God that we had more people to cast votes in this election ever than in the history of this country. And I thank God for the apparent winner. Joe Biden has received more votes than any presidential candidate in the history of American elections. And I want to thank God for Jackie Griffin and others who have supported our efforts in voting, voter registration here in the church and in the community. And of course, this, this was happening all over the country because more people voted than ever before. And even though more people has cast votes for Joe Biden, should say President-elect Joe Biden, the present occupant in the White House doesn't seem to be aware of that. And so we just have to continue to trust God that this election will not be stolen in any way. And you know, it's been a very unsettling time, and that's why I say I thank God for the mighty grace he's given us. And what's unsettling to me in this whole election season is that we've had more votes cast for Joseph Biden than any presidential candidate ever in the history of our country. But we've had the second highest total votes ever casted for Donald Trump. That's unsettling to me that we live in a country like the United States of America. And to have so many people that can find their way to support corruption, to support inequality, to support racial discrimination, to support homophobia, to support misogyny, to support corruption after corruption after corruption, to support incompetence and failure. That's sort of scary that we have that many people in this country that could get behind a candidate 
who represents such immoral and unscriptural things. God help that segment of the body of Christ that have supported him. And I pray that God would open blinded eyes. Only God can do that, beloved. And you know, we have to continue to love. We have to continue to walk in love and in the grace that God has given us. But I believe God is going to shake up his church. God's going to shake up his church because too many of us in the church have fallen away. I believe that the word of God should instruct the way I vote. I believe that the word of God should instruct me in terms of the things I stand for and the things I resist. And there's some things I just resist. And we can't be single-issue people and say, well, this person believes in pro-life, so we ought to get behind them regardless. But they don't practice pro-life. You, you, you see, I, now I'm not going to get into that, but many people say I'm pro-life. What they really mean is that I'm pro-prenatal life. But as soon as they're born, I don't care anything about them. Don't want to support them with my tax dollar. As soon as they're born, let's put them on death roll and kill them if they commit a crime. Where is the pro-life in all of that? And I don't want to go down this trail talking about politics this morning, but I'm just simply saying, beloved, this is so unsettling to me. And even the church can get behind these kind of, uh, of, 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 of principles or lack of principles. My father should tell me, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for everything. And I'm telling you, I didn't agree with President Trump in, in, in 16, and I sure don't agree with him now. And I thank God that we now have a ray of hope. We have hope for unity. We have hope for healing. And God knows that the soul of this nation needs to be healed. And I pray that God heals the church. The church needs healing. The church needs to have their eyes open. Too long we have been blinded, pharisaical, hypocritical. And oftentimes it's all because of greed. It's all because of greed. And most of you don't make enough money to have your taxes raised in the first place. And even if my taxes were going to be grazed, that's all right because I want to see my community helped. I am not in this for myself. But we should be in it for all of us. And we should stand and embrace and support the entire community. So I thank God he's given us grace to get through this. And you know what? It, it has been worth it. It has been worth it. Because now we see hope arising and there's a dawning of a new day, not only in America, but in the church. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy. Thank you for your multiplied grace. Thank you for watching over this nation. 
and all the nations of the world. And thank you, Father God, that according to your foreknowledge and preordination, you've already decided who you're raising up to be the leader of this nation. And Lord, we'll be able to say this is your doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. Help us as the church to stand up and be counted as the church. Help us to lift our voice into, unto righteousness, justice, equality. Help us, Father God, to reflect the Christ spirit in us. And help us, Father God, to never forget who we are. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Now, Father God, as we go into the word of the Lord, I ask you, Father God, to think through my mind, speak through my lips. Anoint me, Father God, to speak your word. Give me the tongue of the learned that I may speak a word in season to them that are wearied. Confirm your word with signs following. And we thank you for miracle after miracle. Now, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. O God, my, 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 my strength and my redeemer. And all the people said, amen. For the last several weeks, I've been talking to you about you'll have what you say. And today I want to go into part three of that series of messages. And today I want to call this message, and it's simply an exhortation, don't open the door. Don't open the door. Our foundation scripture has been found in Matthew, not Matthew, but Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and verse 23. There we see Jesus says to the disciples, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And then he went on to say that for surely I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and do not doubt in their hearts, but believe that those things that they say shall be done, they shall have whatsoever they say. Now Jesus said this in response to, after he cursed, he spoke to the fig tree, the barren fig tree. He spoke words, prophetic words to this tree. He cursed this tree. But his disciples didn't see a manifestation until the following morning. And the following morning as they passed by, they saw that the tree had dried up from the roots. The same tree that Jesus had spoke to. And Jesus simply explained to them, just have faith in God. For if you say unto this mountain, whatever that problem is, whatever that challenge is, whatever your situation is, if you just speak to it, say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And refuse to doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever you say. Have faith in God. So, what was Jesus really saying? When Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God, that literally means 
Have the faith of God. It means have the faith that God gives. It also means have the God kind of faith. What is the God kind of faith? The God kind of faith is to say it. Don't doubt it. And then believe and receive it. That's the God kind of faith. So I want you to notice what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, have faith in God. He didn't say have faith in the devil. Have faith in God, not the devil. Some people have more faith in the devil than they have in God. Hmm? Let me say it again. I said some people, not all, some people have more faith in the devil than they have faith in God. You see, your faith is always evidenced by what you say. And you'll say those things because that's what you believe in your heart. Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You'll have what you say. Now, if you speak the truth of God, you'll receive the goodness of God. And if you speak the lies of the devil, you will also, but disappointedly, still have what you say. So don't open the door. Don't open the door. You might ask the question, how do you open the door? We open the door to the devil day in and day out without realizing it. And then we want to blame God for the consequences. We want to blame God for the things we have prophetically spoken. We want to blame God when it was us and nobody but us that opened the door. But Jesus said, have faith in God, not in the devil. Here's how we open the door. We open the door with the things we think, the things we believe, and the things we say. Because we're thinking, believing, and saying things that God never told us to think, believe, or even say. We're not saying what God said. We're not speaking the word of God. But we oftentimes are speaking the words of the devil. We're speaking his words. God never told you that you were broke. God never told you that you were sick. God never told you that you had lack limitation. He never told you that. He never told you you were a failure. He never told you any of that. But the devil will tell you that regularly. So how do you shut the door? Well, we open the door with the words of our mouth. Proverbs Chapter 21, verse 23 says, For whosoever, for whosoever guards his mouth and his tongue shall keep his soul from troubles. For whosoever shall guard your mouth and guard your tongue, you will keep your soul from trouble. We open the door to the devil by the things we say. But Jesus said, have faith in God. 
How do you express that faith in God? By saying what God said. Is that right? Glory to God. So we open the door to the devil by the things we say, the things that come out of our mouth. We open the door to the devil, uh, to, uh, to the devil by bragging on the devil. We're good at bragging on the devil and glorifying the devil. We brag on the devil sometimes without knowing it. We talk about the devil having power, how much power the devil has. We talk about the devil did this, the devil did that, and the devil did the other. We brag on the devil. Then we glorify the devil. When we talk about the power of the devil rather than the power of God, we are glorifying the devil rather than God. When God said himself through Jesus Christ that all power in heaven and earth is in my hand. If he has all power, what power is there left for the devil? Yet we will glorify the devil and his power, his supposed power. But every time you brag on the devil, every time you glorify the devil, you're opening the door. But my exhortation to you this morning is simply this. Don't open the door. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 20, 27 says, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. What was Paul talking about? Paul was simply telling the Ephesians Christians, don't give the devil a foothold in your life. Don't give the devil an opportunity in your situations and in your relationships. Don't give the devil an opportunity. But every time we open that door, we give the devil a foothold. Every time we open the door, we invite him to come in and just reap havoc in our lives. Now, Paul told the Ephesians, neither get place to the devil. He told them that in response to believers getting angry. In that same chapter in the previous verse, verse 26, Paul says, be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down on your wrath. How do we get angry? We express our angry often through our emotions, and our emotions causes us to say things that's not based on what God has said to us. We say things out of a hurt. We say things out of that anger, out of that feeling of wrath. We say things. We get heated up emotionally. Then we allow anything to come out of our mouths. And Paul says it's all right to get angry, but sin not. And we sin when we open the door to the devil. We sin when we give him a foothold. We sin when we give him an opportunity. Let not the sun go down in your wrath. The longer you can carry your anger, the more vulnerable you are to opening the door to the devil. And you know what? He's always outside of that door waiting to come in. Did you hear what I said? He's always outside waiting to come in. He just wants you to give him a crack, give him a crevice. And sometimes some folks just swing it wide open and he come on in. Sometimes he'll move in. Now this is obviously clear in our relationships, particularly marriage. If you're in a relationship with someone and if you're married, it isn't uncommon for anger to come up from time to time. It isn't uncommon to have disagreements. Many married couples 
have heated discussions. Sometimes you call them arguments. Sometimes you call them verbal fights. But Paul says, it's all right to get angry at your spouse. It's all right to get angry at your friend. It's all right. He says, but don't sin. Don't give the devil a foothold by saying the wrong thing. You got to guard your mouth and your tongue. If you don't guard your mouth and your tongue, then the relationship will face many troubles. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So couples, they argue, they fight, and then they say the wrong thing. And when you say the wrong thing, in other words, you're saying something that's not in line with the spirit of Christ. You're saying something that's not in line with the word of God. When you say the wrong thing, you have opened that door to the devil and the devil will come in and he will get a foothold in that relationship. He'll start controlling you rather than the spirit of God because you gave him that opportunity. Paul says, don't do it. Don't open the door. Don't open the door. Then the apostle Peter, he also admonished believers. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, what was Peter saying there? Peter was admonishing us, don't open the door. Be careful about the things you say because you'll have what you say. Peter says be sober. What does it mean to be sober? When we think of the word sober, we think of that word being the opposite of being intoxicated or inebriated. But there's a little more to that word than that. Peter wasn't specifically dealing with somebody who needed to abstain from wine who needed to abstain from some intoxicating drink. But oftentimes when it comes to understanding how the enemy operates against us, our adversary, the devil, sometimes we act like we're drunk spiritually. We're drunk in the wrong way. We're not drunk in the spirit. We're like drunk according to the wisdom of life. Just drunk to it. No understanding. We're just drunk to wisdom, drunk to understanding, drunk to the instructions of God. But Peter said, be sober. To be sober is to be sound of mind. Stop acting like you're crazy. You're crazy to open that door. Peter says, be sound of mind. It also means be in the right mind. You're in the wrong mind when you give place to the devil. You're not acting soberly. Peter was saying, have the right mental attitude. Have the right mental attitude because you do have an adversary. He says, be sober and be vigilant. To be vigilant is to stay woke. We must stay woke spiritually. To be vigilant is to stay on guard. To be vigilant is to stay alert. Stay alert, stay on guard, stay woke because you have an adversary. The devil. The devil is your adversary. He is your chief opponent. He is your chief adversary. And Peter says, your adversary, the devil, 
The devil is a slanderer. He's an accuser. And if he's not slandering you and accusing you, then he's slandering and accusing somebody else to you. He'll get right in between your relationships. He'll drive a wedge between you and somebody else. But be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. And don't miss that, beloved. Peter didn't say he was a lion. He says, as a roaring lion, he walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Why is he seeking whom he may devour? Because all of us are not going to open the door. Some of us are going to stand on the word. Some of us are going to stand and say, I believe God. So he's seeking those that are weak. He's seeking those that are asleep. He's seeking those that are not sober, those that are not vigilant. He's seeking those. He's seeking whom he may devour. Now, Peter says he's like a roaring lion. Didn't say he was a lion. You see, the lion is the king of the beasts in the jungle, in the forest. The lion is the king of the beasts. And the devil wants you to think he is the king of this world. No, he's not a king. He's only a prince. Jesus said he was a prince, huh? But he walketh about as a roaring lion. He wants to scare you with his roar. He wants to frighten you. He wants you to believe him rather than God. Why is he going about as a roaring lion? Because he really isn't a lion. He really isn't a lion. I believe that the devil, when Peter says he walketh about as a roaring lion, what Peter was saying, the devil is nothing more, listen to me, the devil is nothing more than an indentalist. Indentalist, you know what that word means? It simply means you don't have any teeth or you have very few teeth. Huh? That's what it means to be indentalist. Peter was saying he is indentalist. He's got more bark than bite. He's got more roar than he actually has power. But he's seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for me. He's looking for you. But what will he find when he come to your house? What will he find when he come to my house? When he gets there, don't open the door. Just don't open the door. The door, Peter is saying. Now, what did Jesus teach us? We got to go back to the word of God. You see, this is my conviction when it comes to voting, whoever I support. I want it based on not Christian politics. I want it based on the word of God. I want it based on the word of God. And a lot of blind, blind Christians they said, well, I'm going to support this candidate. I don't care how many times he's been married, how many times he's been guilty of adultery, how many times he, he's lied, even though it's been uh, three or 4,000 times, I believe it's been documented, this person's a liar. I'm going to support the liar. I'm going to support the liar because he's pro-life. First of all, first of all, what makes you think God is pro-life? Don't get this twisted. I am not saying I support abortion. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship. 
where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.